Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome back to Chronicle, the history of Newcastle United. I'm Mike Ketchell, football editor of Chronicle Live. And we have a big episode here for you. Brace yourself for some emotional departures and some unwelcome arrivals as we chronicle six dramatic years at St James's Park. Last week we covered the Sir Bobby Robson era with some amazing Champions League nights, some heartbreaking cup finals. But this week we're going to see some seismic shifts on and off the field that will have long-term ramifications for the club. Joining me to discuss it all as ever is Newcastle United's official club historian, Paul Joanneau. Paul, we'll get straight into it. We're covering the end of the Sir Bobby Robson era today. Can you start by reminding us of Sir Bobby's record at the club? Yeah, well, Bobby Robson's record as Newcastle United manager is, uh, you know, was first class after pulling the club away from the relegation trouble in '99 to 2000. He rebuilt the team and achieved high placings in the Premier League. Uh, he got us to fourth and then third and then fifth, and he also took us to the FA Cup semi-final to the UEFA Cup semi-final and into the second stage of the Champions League. Now, you couldn't get much better than that apart from actually winning a trophy. Mm. Um, and to part company with Robson appeared crazy. Uh, and as it proved, it, it certainly was. Um, it was a huge own goal by Newcastle United's directors. Um, at the time, Chairman Freddie Shepherd and major shareholder Douglas Hall. Newcastle had started the 2004-05 season poorly. After four, four games, they were... 16th in the table, uh, but it was very early days, and without doubt, United's hierarchy acted far too hastily. Uh, and looking back now, nearly 20 years later, it was really an astonishing decision. He was replaced by former Liverpool star and Blackburn boss Graham Souness, and that was the start of a period of instability and mediocrity at St James's Park. Yeah, reading out those Premier League positions, fourth, third, fifth, and the cup runs, and all in a relatively short space of time. It, it is an astonishing decision looking back on it. And I do remember feeling particularly underwhelmed when I heard Graeme Souness was to be Sir Bobby's replacement. We had a new manager and a new look team, didn't we? Yeah, there was new fa- there were new faces uh, uh, to arrive that season, including one of Europe's top strikers, uh, Patrick Clivert. He came uh, from Barcelona. So did to arrive was Nicky Butt, uh, John Allen Boomsong, Stephen Carr, Celestine Babiaro, and a young uh, forward called James Milner from Leeds United, who uh, amazingly is still on the goal even today. Soon as made sure United collected points in the Premier League, to his credit, and, and guided United's lineup to another FA Cup semi-final, this time at Cardiff's Millennium Stadium. But the Magpies fell quite heavily 4-1 to Manchester United. Uh, there was also a lengthy UEFA Cup run, but in the latter stages, uh, we lost to Sporting Lisbon after a pretty terrific tie. Yeah, a really key player during this period uh, and one of the busiest in the team was Shea Given, fully deserving of a Paul Joanne player focus, I think. Yeah, Shea was uh, a top, top goalkeeper. He, he joined Newcastle back in July 1997 for a £1.5 million fee, a pretty good bargain. He had spells as a youngster with Celtic, Blackburn and on loan at Swindon and uh, Sunderland. 
but he became Newcastle's regular keeper for all of 12 seasons. A great rivalry with uh, Steve Harper, but in the main, you know, Shea Given was the, was the regular for most of those seasons. He could produce breathtaking saves, and he was one of the Premier League's finest keepers uh, during Newcastle's best era in modern times. Now, you know, he decided to join Manchester City in February 2009 and played on until he was 40 years of age. Uh, and certainly he left Newcastle too early, but he fancied, he wanted to change after the takeover. Uh, and he went on to you know, record 134 caps for his country, Republic of Ireland. And only two players have worn the United shirt more than Shea Given, Jimmy Lawrence and Frank Hudspeth. But for his departure, Given may well have stayed and and would have broken that all-time appearance record held by jimmy lawrence you know he totaled including wartime games 507 matches she got 463 so uni was a uh, two or three seasons away from uh, creating that all-time record yeah i wish he had got it he deserved it but wasn't meant to be into 2005 2006 then and this was the end of two significant eras really wasn't it yeah, the next two seasons were notable for Alan Shearer's last uh, campaign before retirement and the end of the uh, Hall dynasty at St James's Park. Season 2005-06 began with another you know, mega signing, a record £16 million spent on Michael Owen from Real Madrid. Uh, and United ended a dre- decent seventh placing with Shearer breaking Milburn's, uh, Jackie Milburn's long-standing career goal-scoring record for United. During that season, another 11 million had been spent on Spaniard Albert Luque. But in the final analysis, both Owen and Luque were far from being a success. Owen, though, when fit and alongside Shearer, um, he did form a formidable partnership. But the ex-Liverpool striker was too often on the sidelines. And uh, in the end, you know, £16 million at the time was a huge amount for someone who wasn't a regular starter. Uh, and by the end of the season, you know, Graham Souness had departed and he was replaced by former skipper Glenn Roder, who uh, was on the coaching staff at the time. Mm. Um, at least Shearer went out in style, didn't he? He did. You know, his last in 206 goals for United, fittingly perhaps, uh, was in a 4-1 uh, victory at Sunderland in, the very last, uh, in his very last game as he was injured in that match and uh, never played for the club again. He was given a wonderful send-off against Glasgow Celtic before a capacity crowd at the end of the season. And uh, you know he, he spent such a, a wonderful time on uh, in a black and white shirt. He did, and uh, I've got actually a newspaper clipping here from um, the Daily Mirror, 18th of April 2006, and it's uh, our colleague here at Reach, Simon Bird's match report from that game at the stadium. I'll read a bit of it here. It's uh, headlined, How typical of Shearer, he bows out with a goal. Alan Shearer's last meaningful kick of his career is likely to be a match-winning penalty against the old enemy Sunderland. What a way for a Geordie legend to go. Old body battered, leading a charging comeback victory and a goal to his name. Exit Alan Shearer in typical style. His 206 goal for Newcastle out of 409 career goals sent United on their way to their biggest win in a Tyneweir derby in 50 years and ensured a heroic farewell for a giant of the modern game. Nine minutes later, Shearer's last act as a player was to limp off the stadium of light pitch after being nobbled by Sunderland's Julio Arca and falling awkwardly. 
The knee injury is a serious one and he is virtually certain not to feature in United's remaining three games. A scan should confirm the worst today. Instead of a tear-jerking farewell in May against Chelsea in front of his own St James's Park crowd, Shearer was ushered off to a chorus of boos by Sunderland's humiliated fans. In the dressing room later, he was said to be despondent, but after reflection, he will take the jeers as a satisfying tribute. After carrying his hometown club for a decade, breaking Jackie Milburn's club scoring record and serving his own people with professionalism and pride, it was fitting that Shearer went out in a full-blooded combat of a local derby. He was hobbling around with a ligament damage and then still tried to make a tackle on a Sunderland player, even in that state. That is why he is the man he is and has achieved what he has, said boss Glenn Roder. A senior career that began with a debut hat-trick for Southampton on April 14, 1988, as a 17-year-old ended almost 18 years to the day. Shearer's injury eclipsed an amazing comeback by Newcastle to claim Roder's eighth win in 12 Premiership games in charge, lifting them to seventh spot and breathing down Blackburn's neck for the last UEFA Cup place. So yes, uh, one of my favourite ever Newcastle games, uh, beating Sunderland 4-1 in their own stadium. Doesn't get much better. And um, we obviously, Paul, have to do a player focus on Alan. Uh, well, little needs to be said about uh, Alan Shearer, really. Uh, he was modern football's perfect number nine, to be honest. Newcastle United's all-time record goal scorer in League and Cup football. He joined us, of course, in a uh, 15.6 million pound purchase uh, not just 15 million it was actually a bit more than that straight after Euro 96 from Blackburn Rovers after he'd lifted the Premier League title and scored 130 goals at Ewood Park um, a tough competitor lethal finisher in and out of the box um, and a real leader on and off the field you know thoroughly professional dedicated and with a love of Newcastle United and wearing that famous number nine shirt you know, 63 caps and 30 goals for England, captain of club in country, maybe Newcastle's best ever centre forward. You know, with a formidable record, 405 appearances and 206 goals in senior matches. So you don't get much better than that at all. And I don't think we'll ever see another centre forward like that in our lifetime, that's for certain. Yes, well said. And yeah, you're probably right. One, one Once in a lifetime player. Life without Alan then, how did it begin? Well, the following campaign of 2006-07 was, was certainly strange without Shearer in the number nine shirt. Um, Newcastle had signed Obafemi Martins uh, for £10 million as his replacement, and, and for a while he did well. It was an average season, United being a long, long way off the heady days of the Champions League uh, football under Bobby Robson. And at the end of the season, Rhoda was axed, and yet another manager arrived at Gallagher, and that was big Sam Allardyce. But just as he was getting used to being in charge, the, the Halls sold their majority stake in the club to London-based retailer and billionaire Mike Ashley. Freddie Shepard was reluctantly forced to sell up too, uh, and Newcastle United ended a, a, a brand new world of all things Sports Direct. <laughs> yes, quite fitting that uh, at the time of recording this, December 2021, the last Sports Direct signs uh, actually being removed from St James's Park. The era from 2007 onwards not a very happy time but we're chronicling the entire history of the club so it must be acknowledged how did it all begin Paul? As the football started for season 2007-8 gone were the days of competing with the top clubs in the country Uh, by January in the opening of 2008 Allardyce was sacked and the third coming of Kevin Keegan began Uh, but one to be be a short and controversial uh, stay at St James's Park United ended in mid-table with many new faces, including uh, 
the likes of Joey Barton, Mark Viduka, Alan Smith, Rosie Enrique, Jeremy, Habib Bai, and one or two others. Uh, Kevin Keegan's third and last spell at St. James's Park was you know, fractured by a major rift behind the scenes as the new 2008-9 season began. Uh, the ever popular Keegan never being one, never being on the same wavelength uh, with the owner and his director of football, you know, ex-Chelsea man, Dennis Wise. Keegan left in September 2008 and later won an arbitration hearing uh, over his exit. Yeah, he did. And uh, crazy to look back at this chain of events, really. And even crazier to think who the board turned to to replace the most popular manager uh, at Newcastle in the modern era. Yeah, a, a bizarre short-term appointment of Joe Kinnear. Uh, and that arrival flabbergasted all and United dropped into the relegation zone as the club appeared to go from crisis to crisis. As Kinnear departed pretty quickly, Alan Shearer was handed something of a poison chalice in a late bid to save United from the drop. He had only eight games to turn things around. It didn't work and United were relegated after 16 seasons in the top flight. And most of those seasons uh, were at the the very top end, uh, challenging with the very best. And once more, many new faces arrived, some decent, some poor signings included. Argentinians Colachini and Gutierrez were two of the better new men. Uh, also, to wear the black and white were Kevin Nolan, Danny Guthrie, Peter Lovenkranz, Ryan Taylor, and two big misfits Kevin Keegan never wanted, Cisco and Gonzalez. Uh, the new owner, Mike Ashley, had a torrid period in time, in, in charge at that time. It was the start of a turbulent decade, and more of his reign at St. James's uh, would, would end up in a rift uh, between the supporters and the club and, and the owner. And one that would get bigger and more bitter as the next decade unfolded. Yes, what a mess. Uh, I remember finding it difficult to get my head around the fact Newcastle had been relegated to the second tier again. Kevin Keegan's promotion season of 92-93 was my only experience of Newcastle in the second tier, but there they were, down there, and there was pressure on to bounce back up because the uh, the financial ramifications didn't bear thinking about, did they? Yeah, it was a difficult time, and Newcastle certainly needed to bounce straight back into the Premier League. You know, the manager's job went to coach Chris Hutton, and uh, in 2009-10, he became a uh, he, he did a very good job. He was remarkably United's tenth manager in a dozen years. Hmm. Um, the former Tottenham fullback rejuvenated the Black and Whites, winning the championship title with ease, and and the club were a class apart, a division lower. You know, a lot of the players had Premier League experience and it, and it, and it proved uh, when they were playing uh, those teams in the championship. Colachini and Gutierrez were key players, as was Nicky Butt, Kevin Nolan and a new young, robust centre-forward called Andy Carroll hit almost 40 goals between them, uh, with Peter Lovenkranz grabbing 16. So there was plenty of goals as Newcastle eased through the promotion challenge. Newcastle were back in the Premier League And the big question was, could they get back to challenging at the top in the elite of football? Mm. Well, we'll find out next week uh, when the Newcastle United roller coaster arrives into the ups and downs of the 2010s. That was a a big chapter there, Paul. Newcastle have lost Bobby Robson and Alan Shearer and the Shepherd Hall dynasty. And they've gained Mike Ashley as an owner and and they've been relegated. But uh, thankfully, gained promotion back to the top flight. But the club looks vastly different from the one in 2004 that we began discussing at the start of this episode. So uh, thanks everyone 
for listening to this one. Uh, stay subscribed to Everything is Black and White podcast via whichever podcast platform you're listening to us on. Hit that notification bell so you get all of our podcasts as soon as they land. And follow us on social media. We're at Chronicle NUFC on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. There's video versions of the podcasts. Uh, all the episodes are available to watch on our YouTube channel, which is also called the EIBW podcast and remember stay up to date with everything black and white by subscribing to our daily Newcastle United newsletters here at Chronicle Live they are completely free and there's a link to sign up to these in our show notes uh, at the bottom of this episode if you tap that and select sport Newcastle United updates you can enter your email address and be signed up to receive all the best Newcastle United content from chroniclelive.co.uk every single day so yeah thanks so much for listening to Chronicle the history of Newcastle United with me Matt Ketchell and Paul Joanne.